it says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is Jesus' final word to us in the Gospel of Matthew, and over the next two weeks we want to unpack that just a little bit. Uh, these words uh, Jesus speaks in Matthew, if you were to back up a, a verse or so, uh, you would see that this is spoken to his 11 core disciples, but uh, the church has believed through the centuries that these words are for us as well um, as we follow Jesus. And so uh, as Jesus speaks to us, he says, therefore, go and make disciples. Remember, we talked about the word therefore uh, a week or so ago, that whenever um, the word therefore is in the Bible, it's therefore a reason. And in this case, it's preceded by all authority is given to Jesus. Therefore, go. This is not an if you want to kind of clause. This is not an if you have time to kind of idea. This is not even particularly an invitation to us. We understand that this is a command of Jesus. Because he has all authority, he has called us and commanded us to go into the world making disciples of all nations and all people. This is not an optional thing for us. This is the command of Jesus, to go and make disciples. And as I said before, that can happen in lots of different ways. That conversation can happen and begin in lots of different points. But there are two things in this passage that Jesus specifically says, as you are going and as you are making disciples, there are two things that have to happen. There are two things that I'm commanding you to do. And uh, the first of those is to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The second of those is to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. We're going to hold that second one for next week. We'll get to that. Today we want to take a look at the first of those two things that Jesus says have to be part of going and making disciples, to baptize people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Why does Jesus tell us this? Of all the things Jesus could have said about helping people to follow him, of all the things Jesus could have said are part of making disciples, he chooses to tell us that part of making disciples is to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, it's because baptism at its core is about identity. Baptism at its very core is about identity. Baptism is not uh, primarily a work. It's certainly not a work that we do. Uh, it, it, is, it is a work that is done to us by the church and the spirit, but it's not a work that we do to ourselves. We're not trying to make ourselves better in the eyes of Christ or make Christ love us or make Christ bestow grace on us by, by performing an action. Um, it's not a work that we do, nor is, is baptism purely a symbolic thing. A lot of times we treat baptism as though it is a, a symbol or a metaphor, and, and it is, but it's not only that. Baptism instead is what we call a sacrament. The church has used the word sacrament for centuries, and the word sacrament is uh, usually only found in churches. It's one of those kind of words we call a stained glass window word. It's only used in rooms that have, you know, stained glass windows. What does it mean? Well, a sacrament is a place where the divine, the holy, 
and the human, the mundane, come together. That's what a sacrament is. Sacrament's a place where God and humanity meet. And that happens in baptism, just as it happens in the communion, which is another sacrament that we celebrate um, together as a church. It's in baptism that the divine and the human come together. It's here in baptism that we discover in a different way God's grace and mercy and love and wholeness and forgiveness for us. And it's here in baptism that we discover our identity as the people of God. Baptism is good news. Baptism is good news for us and for those who may come to to follow Jesus, to walk in his steps, to become his disciples. Why is baptism such good news? Because baptism helps us understand our new identity in Christ. To be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is to take on a new identity. No longer are we bound by old identities. There are some identities that we shed as we are baptized. For example, uh, no longer are we bound by the identity of death. Since the very first sin in the garden, since Adam and Eve ate from the tree, the entire creation has been bound by death. Everything that exists eventually dies. This has been true since sin entered into the picture. And so we know because we have experienced it in our families, we have experienced it in our communities, we've experienced the reality of it in the world around us, that eventually death comes for everyone. Our identity has been mortal. Our identity has been frail, feeble, and bound to die. But that's not true in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, we're given a new identity that is not bound by death. The Apostle Paul talks about it in the book of Romans. Um, In Romans chapter 6, there's a really kind of beautiful passage about baptism. I want to share that with you in a couple of parts. Uh, Here's the beginning of it. It's Romans 6, uh, verses 3 through 9. Paul writes this, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed. And we might no longer be enslaved to sin, for whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The Apostle Paul says that that in our baptism, uh, which is a picture, a kind of picture of death, burial and resurrection, that in our baptism, we identify so strongly with Christ that we begin to understand that death is not the end for us. It is not our identity. We are no longer people who are destined to die. We are now people who are destined to live. That there is something on the other side of mortality waiting for us. 
There is an eternal life that is ours, but not just an eternal life someday. We, Paul says, walk in newness of life today. For as many of us who have been baptized into Christ, who have taken on Christ's identity, who have found our identity in him, we are already living the resurrection. It is already a part of us. And so we walk through our life, we walk through our relationships, we walk through our jobs, we walk through our communities, we walk through our world in a new kind of life. We are no longer bound by an identity of death. Instead, we have an identity in Christ of life. And we are looking forward to a life that is eternal with Christ, even as we live a life with Christ now. Paul talks about this in another place where um, he actually says that he wants to become like Jesus in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Well, that's what happens in baptism. We become like Christ in his death, and so we are raised to walk in a brand new life, and that's good news. That's good news as we go and make disciples. That's good news as we share the story of Jesus with people around us. That in Jesus, you are no longer bound over to death. Death no longer has the final say. That's good news. Now we are people who live. We are people who live in the resurrection now, and we are people who will live in the resurrection forever. Not only are we no longer bound over to death, but we are also no longer bound over to sin. No longer is our identity found in our sin. Listen, we are not our sins. We are not our shortcomings. We are not our failures. That is not what defines us. And so often, I let it. I don't know about you, but so often my worst moments are the things that spring to my mind when I think about myself. The things that I don't like about myself are, are often at the forefront of my imagination about who I am. And yet in Christ, I am not bound by those things. I am not bound by my sin. I am not bound by my shortcomings. I am not bound by my failures. Paul goes on in Romans 6 to talk about this. This is verses 10 through 14 um, in Romans chapter 6. He continues to write, the death he died, the death Jesus died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present, I'm sorry, no longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. We are not slaves to sin, Paul says. You are not defined by sin. You don't have to obey it. You don't have to give in to it. You don't have to relive your sin in your mind and in your heart and in guilt again and again and again and again. That is gone. Christ has died to free us from sin. The life he lives, he lives to God. And Paul says because of that, you are 
Under his grace, you no longer are slaves to sin. You are not your worst day. We are not our worst decisions, nor are we defined by our worst mistakes. And that is good news. Man, is that good news. I'm so glad that I'm not defined by those things. No longer are we defined by our sin. We are not, listen, we are not, we are not who we used to be before we came to Christ. Our identity is in Jesus, and so our sin is removed from us. Uh, the Psalms have a beautiful, a beautiful verse. In, in Psalm 103, it talks about how God has removed our sin from us, and in verse 12, it says that he has removed our sin so far from us as far as the east is from the west. That is a beautiful piece of poetry, that God has removed our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. How far are the east and west from each other? If God had said north and south, well, that's a measurable distance. There's only so far I can go north, right? And then I find Santa, right? And there's only so far I can go south, and there I find penguins, which actually sounds fun. Um, that's a measurable distance. How far is east and west from each other? I can't measure that, can I? I can keep going east and never stop. I can keep going west and never stop. How far has God removed your sin from you? An immeasurable, infinite distance. You are no longer bound by an identity of sin. That's good news for people who we are introducing to Jesus. That's good news for us who have placed our identity in Christ. We are not defined by our mistakes. We are not defined by our past. We are not defined by our failures. We are not defined by our sins. We are no longer bound by an identity of death. We are no longer bound by an identity of sin. We are, honestly, we are no longer bound by any earthly identity. We are no longer bound by earthly identities. Our core identity, our core identity is in Christ. Paul talks about this. We move from Romans to Galatians. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 26, 27, and 28, Paul writes this. He says, For in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, Paul says, you are a child of God. You are a beloved child of God. You are a beloved child of God. I will say that as often as it takes to sink in. You are a beloved child of God. That is your core identity. You have clothed yourself with Christ. You have put on the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. This is who we are. Listen, it's not that our other identities cease to exist. When Paul says there's no longer male or female, he does not mean that like men and women just poof, suddenly stop existing. It's not what he's talking about. Obviously, we still have identities. I am still a husband. That is one of my identities. I'm still a son, a brother, an American. I'm still part of Gen X. I'm still a Detroit Lions fan. Christ have mercy on me. I am still a geek. 
I'm still a minister. I still have identities. We all do. We all have familial identities. We all have work identities. We all have personal identities, hobbies that make up our identities, uh, parts of our life that, that help us to, to find an identity. But, but listen, those are no longer our core. The core of our identity, at the heart of who we are, we are now child of God, clothed in Christ, loved by our Creator. That identity drives all the others. So I, I'm a neighbor. I have people that live on either side of me, and below me for that matter, too. I am their neighbor. That is part of my identity. But now I am a neighbor through the lens of Christ. How will I be a neighbor to the people that live around me in the way that Christ has called me to? I am married. I have a wife. How will I be a spouse in the way that Christ has called me to? I have a job. I, I am employed. I am an employee. How will I be an employee in the way that Christ has called me to? Because Christ is my core identity. Child of God. Clothed in Christ. Beloved by my creator. Every other identity is now held in light of my relationship to Christ. And that means that if those identities that are part of my life are challenged or changed or disrupted or go away, I don't crumble. I'm not destroyed by that. Some of us and some of the people in our world have made their identity so um, dependent on one thing that is a temporary thing. If their job vanishes, they no longer know who they are. If a person in their life dies, their world crumbles completely. If the election doesn't go a particular way, they think that the world is absolutely off kilter. We find these identities all around us, but they don't have to drive us. The driving identity for our life is Christ. Everything else in light of that. But that also means that if there is a piece of my identity that I find that is contrary to Christ, that's something I have to deal with. For example, if I am a workaholic, I am not, uh, but let's pretend for a second that I am. If I am a workaholic in Christ, I now begin to understand that cannot be a part of my identity, and I need to find in Christ a healthy rest-work balance because that is how Christ has made us for both work and rest. Christ is our core identity, and this too is good news. It's good news for us, and it's good news for those who are inviting to become disciples. That we have an identity as people who are loved, beloved children of God. Made in the image of our Creator. Clothed in Christ. That identity can't be shaken. That identity can't be ripped away from us. That identity does not crumble or fade over time. That identity is sure and complete. And so Jesus calls us to go into the world and make disciples by doing what? By baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's asking us to help people identify with him, to find their identity in Jesus. That's part of what we have done as disciples. We have left behind identities that are rooted in death and identities that are rooted in sin and identities that are rooted in the world. And we have entered into an identity rooted in Jesus Christ, 
through baptism. Baptism is part of making disciples. Jesus commands it. Jesus modeled it for us. It shows up in every conversion story in the New Testament. Why? Because it helps us to find an identity in Jesus. It's so vitally important because it helps us find an identity in Jesus. If you are in Christ, I hope that you have experienced that baptism, that, that sacrament, that moment where the divine and the human connect with grace and forgiveness. If you're here today and you've never experienced that, if you've never been baptized, I would love to talk with you about that. Come and find me. Shoot me an email. Give me a call. Talk to me after church. Pull me aside. So let's talk more about that. I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to do that. We have said that we are disciples of Jesus. We have said uh, through the millennia, through the centuries, um, and, and every church that we are disciples of Jesus. And we've been talking about what that means, that we draw near to him, that we follow him, that we learn from him, that we abide in him, that we do what he does. It also means that we find our identity in him. And because we have received Christian baptism, the identity of Christ is ours. We are clothed in Christ, beloved children of God. And we can invite others into that as well. We are called to be disciples make disciples. So go this week, wherever you're going, to work, to the store, to vacation, to church, to campus, wherever you happen to be going. Go, and as you're going, make disciples. Be Christ in front of other people. Live out your identity of child of God, clothed in Christ, beloved by your creator. Live that out in front of people and find ways to invite them into becoming disciples too so that they can find their identity in Jesus. Father, thank you for, um, for making us new in Christ, for helping us to understand that we are no longer defined by our sin, we are no longer defined by death, we are no longer defined by the things of this world, but instead, Father, we're defined as your children, dearly loved and precious to you, that we're defined by the love and grace of Jesus. We have clothed ourselves in Christ, and we walk in a new life. So, Father, as disciples, help us to walk in that life and help us to reach out to others so that they, too, may find their identity in Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. We come as we do every week into a time of communion, which is also a sacrament, a moment where the divine and the human meet. And here we remember that identity that is ours in Christ, that Christ paid for with his life, that we might become the beloved children of God, that we might be clothed in him, and that we might have new life. Uh, so uh, in just a moment, we will uh, come and take communion. There's... Um, various options before me on the table. Come and uh, pick up communion, and then we will go back to our seats, and we'll take it all together uh, as one body. Before we do, we want to enter into a time of confession together, acknowledging who we are before Christ. So if you would stand with me, uh, if you are able, and share in this time of confession together. Most merciful God, 
We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have le- and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name. Amen.